Merry Christmas to every single one of you that have gathered here in the Lord's house on a very, very special evening. On behalf of the other pastors and elders and our church family here at Big Woods, if this is your first time visiting with us, or maybe um, you've not been here since last Christmas Eve, that's okay. Or whether, whether or not you just lost a bet, and that's why you're here tonight, I want to say welcome every single one of you. The anticipation as we build towards tomorrow evening continues to just well up inside of us. Uh, Brass Band, thank you, Brian and Bill, for your hard work in organizing that. The many talented people, Matt and the rest, we thank you for leading us in worship. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, I just want to pause for a few moments and focus our attention on the Lord, which I think is most appropriate at this particular hour. First of all, would you bow your heads and pray with me as we commit our time to the Lord? Father, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the, the choir of voices that has already been a blessing. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here with us tonight and for your word that is opened up. And as we are excited about tomorrow and all that is in store, I would pray right now that you would quiet our hearts, that our focus, our attention would be on you and we thank you for the greatest gift that could ever be given to all of mankind the gift of a savior who rescues us from our sin from redeems us and declares us righteous before your holiness we put our faith and our trust in you father i ask that you would please be the focus this evening. Guard my mind and my mouth. May everything that is said be for your glory and your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and wonderful matchless name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm not the only one. You have given thought to what is under the tree and what you will find in the morning. Undoubtedly, one of the hot gifts of 2023 is the Google Pixel 8 Pro Obsidian, a smartphone that has an app that quickly and easily edits any and all photos to remove blurs, unwanted background images, facial blemishes, and even changes a frown or a smirk into a smile. It's described like this. It is sleek, sophisticated, powerful, and secure. With Google AI, you can do more, even faster, on the Pixel 8 Pro. Now think about this. This is what's the impressive part. Even if they weren't really smiling, we make it look like they were. Now, now, people criticize and they attack the advances of AI, of artificial intelligence. And you'd say, well, that's, that's not real. That's fake. Let me ask you this. You just paid 80 bucks 
for a real Christmas tree and you put it in your house and you realize that there's a big bald spot, what do you do? You turn it and you hide that part in the corner. Or else some of you would say, what? Just get an artificial tree and make it look like the real thing. It's fake, but it's made to look real. Kind of the same thing if you ever thought about it. We in our lives today go to great lengths to hide the ugly stuff. Remember Thanksgiving when you put the pumpkin on your porch and you notice that there was a flat spot or a bruise and you turn it to the wall. You put on a shirt with a missing button. What do you do? You put a sweater on over it. We go to great lengths to hide the ugly stuff, especially at Christmas time when it is all about appearances. Wrapping gifts and run out of tape, just put the ugly side down and no one will see it. The snowman is lopsided, just take the pick from the waist up. Oh, there's no snow. AI can actually fix that. We do miracles with this. I was thinking for a moment, I don't like the scratchy thing, but no shave. November, I thought, why don't I grow a beard? And I did that. It took me one and a half seconds to grow a beard. It wasn't even itchy. And I thought for a moment, hey, if I added just a little bit of hair and I took away a few pounds and a few wrinkles, this is what AI said I look exactly like. Take a look at this. <laughs> there is no end that we go to great lengths to hide the ugly stuff in life. How many of you have seen a Christmas card with these words on it? For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. Or maybe you've seen a wooden sign hand-painted above the mantle of a crackling fireplace, and it says, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And we hear that phrase, and we love the to us part. We love it because we're going to get something. And it's true. We do. You do. You get something because you need something. Let me say that again. You get something because you need something. At Big Woods, I preach, and together we teach, that context is always key. What is interesting is this, is that no one ever really sees, no one ever reads, and most of you here don't even know the words that proceed, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is is given. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 5, it says this, and I quote the word of the Lord. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. 
Wouldn't that look cute on a Christmas card? No, 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 no. Because we go to great lengths to hide the ugly stuff. And I want to tell you this morning, God never does that. We go to great lengths to hide the ugly stuff. And God never, ever does that. You see what's happening here in this, this book of Isaiah? He's, he's writing, and the landscape is dark. It is very dark. For these people, it was depressing. There has been disobedience. As a result, destruction and bloodshed was everywhere. It has been marked by a history of death and violence. It was ugly. A divided kingdom, Judah, had been burned to the ground over and over again. People don't know this, that conquering armies en route to Jerusalem would destroy it, would wreck it, would ransack it, and they would continue on. And as they would turn around and retreat back home or return back home, they would actually stop and they would burn it again. No one wanted to be there. <clears throat> Nobody, in a sense, chose to live in that area, but they were so poor that they had no choice. They had no place else to go. And yet it was in the middle of that darkness that God would divinely enter. And as we learned this morning in our own surf service, that God entered to reveal his glory that would ultimately bring what? Power. That would bring justice and wisdom and peace and salvation. God is going to fix the ugliness once and for all. Thus the reason that what? Every boot of the tramping warrior... Every garment will be burned in fire. Why? Because God is not afraid to hide that which is ugly because he changes that which is ugly to beauty. Do you realize later on in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 61, it says this, and I quote in verse 3. Excuse me. <clears throat> to all who mourn, to all who mourn, he will give. Beauty for ashes. Joy instead of mourning. Praise instead of heaviness. Do you realize that is what Christmas is all about? God doesn't just hide the blemish. He takes it away. Have you been sent a picture of someone recently? And you look at that, and it's like, wow, that is a beautiful picture. And then you actually meet the person, like, in real life, and you're like, wait a minute. That doesn't, that doesn't even match. That doesn't even look like the same person. We go to great lengths to hide the ugly things in life, and God does not do that. He specializes in taking that which is ugly and turning it into that which is Beautiful. Although the nation Israel had been steeped in all of its ugliness, God had a plan and a promise of a Savior. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, She, speaking of Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save 
his people from their sins. We began reading this verse here. Let me, let me read to you in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it begins with this description, which seems a little bit odd. The government shall be upon his shoulders. It speaks of a kingly robe that is being draped across the shoulders of the crowned monarch. That's Jesus. That's the Messiah who will lead and govern, establish his sovereign kingdom with perfect authority. And it's no surprise that it's desperately needed. This particular time period that Isaiah was writing for 80 years with four different kings, all of them having proved incompetent to rule the people. But Jesus will govern the right way. I read recently, and I quote, Jesus, the baby born in a manger, is the invincible figure striding across the world stage, taking gracious command. Is that not what is needed in our world today? One striding across the world stage that says what? I've got this. Leave the ugliness and the brokenness of this world to me. And I will turn it into that which is beautiful. In our text, very quickly, there's four descriptive names that all reveal his character. And it begins with this one that I think is rather interesting, wonderful counselor. It could be translated exceptional or distinguished counselor, which is what? One who offers wise counsel. One who offers the right direction and the instruction where people gladly listen to and hear the words of the authoritative one. Now, why is this important? Have you ever received bad counsel before? Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm the third of four. I have an older brother and an older sister. And when we were young, we would do anything, literally anything, to get out of going to school. And the whole, like, I'm sick, I don't really feel good, that never cut it with mom. She's too smart. Dad's not going to buy that. So my older brother and sister told me this, that if I took a ballpoint pen and I, and I broke it in half and I took all of the ink and dumped it in my shoe, then I put my shoe on, automatically your fever spikes to over 100 and you get a day off school. Do you know how many pairs of shoes and socks that I ruined? Because what? I was listening to bad counsel. With Jesus, there is no such thing. There is no bad counsel. He is wonderful in a world that is filled with what? Bad advice, and it is everywhere. People are being steered wrong. People are being scammed, lied to, and stolen from. They're being tricked. 
Let me tell you this, upon the authority of the word of God, it will never happen with the Messiah. Instead, in the kingdom that God establishes, many people will be eager to hear, quick to listen to the counsel that he has to offer. Counsel that includes words that are needed today. Words that many of us maybe don't want to consider. But words like confession. I have to confess this to my brother, to my sister. Words such as repentance. I have to turn. Or words like obedience. Words like gratitude. Or words like joy. This is the wise counsel that is offered by the Lord Jesus Christ, our wonderful counselor. It also says that he is what? Mighty God. Some have suggested that this simply means a godlike person or a hero. How the nation Israel desperately wanted a David-like hero to lead the troops into battle and defeat everyone, to bring them victory. But what Isaiah describes is that it's not going to come according to man's plan, but it's going to come according to God's plan. Yes, the first coming, and we celebrate that tomorrow. What Jesus is born in a manger, he is meek and lowly. But you have to realize that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning. That's the first coming. Have you ever considered the truth of the second coming? Let, let me just give to you a little tiny glimpse this evening of what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back again a second time in Revelation chapter 19. Here's the word of the Lord. Listen carefully. Then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Now why do I read that description? Because we have to understand that little tiny baby. Humble and lowly. And meek entirely what? God. The collision of divinity and humanity. Grows and lives a perfect life and dies and suffers on the cross where you and I deserve to die. And did not stay dead, but he rose again offering us eternal life. It's that one that will come back a second time 
and you must give account. For when it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's why I implore you upon the authority of God's word, a little polite hint here. And I don't mean this in any way disrespectful. But once a year at Christmas Eve isn't going to cut it. Why? Because there's a wonderful counselor and there's a mighty God. Third, it says that he is our everlasting Father. And people are puzzled by this. How can the deliverer, the Son, be the everlasting Father? Remember the Messiah, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, is in essence God. Which means he has all of the attributes of God, including eternality. Since God is one who exists in three persons, the Messiah is still God. And this title, Everlasting Father, is an idiom used to describe the Messiah's relationship to time. It says that he is from everlasting, just as God the Father is called in Daniel chapter 7, the Ancient of Days. The Messiah will be a fatherly ruler. Perhaps Isaiah had in mind the promise to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 about the foreverness of the kingdom which God promised would come through David's line. We live in a start-stop world. We schedule our day and our week in 15 minutes and 30 minutes or 60-minute increments, which basically say what? When we get tired of you, we just move on to the next appointment. When we wear one another out, when we simply say, I'm done with you, God never, ever, ever says that. He truly is everlasting Father. Fourthly and finally, and arguably, my favorite, he is the Prince of Peace. This is the only one who will both usher in and maintain when mankind, what, is properly related to the Lord. How? When we accept the gift that has been packaged and wrapped to you in the flesh of mankind when Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came down to earth. So he felt everything that you and I would ever feel. When we accept that gift by grace through faith. And we know, look around us, and it's very obvious, it's very, very clear for centuries, literally for millennia, mankind has talked about peace. They have worked towards peace. They have sought to end and to eradicate oppression and bloodshed and violence. And the bottom line is this. How have we done on that not great do you realize that Bethlehem in the West Bank canceled Christmas this year as a result of the conflict between the nation Israel and Hamas terrorists how are we doing at ushering in peace according to our plan? Isn't it quite ironic that World War I was literally called the war to end all wars? And we had to change the name of it 
to be World War I. Let me tell you this. There always is and there always will be someone who hates you or hates us and wants to pick a fight. Ready or not, it will happen. Let me tell you this. Again, upon the authority of God's word, it will not come through strength, through education, through science, through technology, through what? More study, more materialism. None of those things will ever usher in peace on earth. I've read, and you've probably heard this, that peace is that brief, glorious moment in history when everybody stands around reloading. Do you realize that they don't actually know who made that statement and that there are arguments about who actually even made that statement. Someone said it was Thomas Jefferson. Someone else would say that Thomas Jefferson would never use the term stands around. They're arguing about this. Someone says, no, the writer stole it from Robert Ingersoll in 1882. My goodness, that's how well we do in pursuing peace. If you remember nothing else from this evening, remember this phrase. Remember these next words. The lack of peace in this world is a direct result of a lack of peace in people's hearts. We look around as we close the door to 2023 and we get ready to open another one to 2024. The lack of peace in this world is a direct result of a lack of peace in people's hearts. We will not achieve peace, but certainly, and you can be guaranteed that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, most certainly will. So now as we what? Begin to close. And we will stand and we will sing together. And we will smile and hug one another, shake hands, grab some cookies, and head out to the piles of gifts that we have waiting for us. As we prepare to receive these gifts with your name on it, allow me to ask, what ugliness are you hiding that you don't want anyone to see? What is it that you're just hoping that maybe you can just turn it to the corner where no one will notice? God already knows. He sees your heart. And he has offered his son to suffer and to die so that you don't have to. There's no, there's no greater news than that. But yet we realize what? It's in the darkest of times that we see light the brightest. It's what? In times of confusion. What do we do that there's what? Words of counsel and comfort. In times of chaos and conflict, that is when we receive peace. This is what Christmas is all about. So today, this evening, tonight, Christmas Eve 2023,
I would invite you to simply acknowledge your sin. Call it what it is. You're not alone. You are surrounded by other people who are really, really good at doing that too. We acknowledge our sin and we put our faith and our trust in the full and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow him not only to forgive you, but turn that which is ugly inside to that which is beauty. That is what Christmas is all about. Allow the Prince of Peace to reign in your life and may you this evening open the gift that he has offered to you. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we do love you and we thank you for this reminder. We understand, Lord, that yes, there are strong words that Isaiah writes, but it is such needed truth. And our prayer is that this evening, if there is one person here that recognizes their own sinfulness and their need for a Savior, and that there's only one, that today would be the day of salvation. That people would understand that others aren't going to judge them, look down on them, but we hold hands out towards one another as we together live in faith, in submission, and obedience for your glory and your glory alone. Father, speak to hearts. May we hear your voice as we celebrate the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the first coming, and we anticipate and look forward to his second coming. Bless every one of these people. May we together be faithful in obedience. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.